Welcome to the Week in Italian Startup, where we discuss the latest highlights happening in the Italian tech and investment ecosystem. Uh, the biggest round happening last week with the Prestatech embedded finance startup announcing a 4 million euro round led by CDP Venture Capital. So um, I thought this was a particularly interesting because, uh, again, we spoke about embedded finance in, in, ver- in various occasions uh, last year. Uh, it's still here. It's still moving pretty fast. So for people that uh, don't know much, uh, so essentially embedded finance refers to any sort of integration of financial services into some non-financial product of, of, or services or uh, SaaS. Uh, and the idea is really to create a seamless experience, an integration experience. So anything that allows you to either pay online or have instant lending, that's considered embedded finance. What is interesting about um, uh, Prestatech is that, uh, um, I mean, this first, of, first of all, I would say the size of the round is not a small, uh, is not a small round. It's pretty interesting, it's pretty big, uh, considering the market and considering the Italian volumes. Um, CDP is, uh, is, uh, is the lead investor in, uh, in the round and also a few um, early stage holding uh, like Alchemia, Uh, which is an opportunistic sort of investment firm with about 20 startups in portfolio that they've been building over the the last, I would say, four to five years. Uh, They're part of the round. So that's that's a very interesting deal and that shows uh, confidence in the the sector. So definitely fintech and specifically uh, embedded finance in something uh, cool that we start seeing in a lot of platforms. Uh, So yeah, that's definitely like a relevant deal from last week. Yep, yep, I agree with you. You said it all. Uh, I think uh, it, it should be added that the startup is partially Italian, partially German. Um, the headquarters should be in Germany, but most of the team and the funds are Italians. And uh, investors in the round included also a Swiss merchant corporation. And that's basically a family office. Swiss merchant corporation. SA. Good point. Basically a family office. Also Swiss investor joined the round. Um, yeah. To, to give you more more clever. Yeah, one additional element is uh, the rounds. I would maybe uh, we. I'm just looking into Crunchbase dataset, and apparently Prestatech did the first round in 2021, uh, raising about five million, and then uh, a second round last week uh, about of about like four million. So uh, it's interesting to see how exactly the round are evolving. So um, uh, they're very close. Uh, and uh, even though the classification is different, one is considered like a seed round, the other, this one is a series A. So uh, what's your take on that? What is, what is the, the logic? What do you think that shows? Or maybe, you know, it's, it's actually tough to understand how, how exactly the same size can tell us something. Yeah, well, I agree with you. It's difficult to, 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 to get to conclusions uh, just by looking at the two, the two numbers. Uh, on Crunchbase, uh, no investor is mentioned in the seed round, so we don't know who invested, how the capital was raised. It, there's, there's just a reference to a news uh, dating back to 2021, uh, when this round was announced, and PrestaTech announced the acquisition of PrestaCap, an online lending platform. So maybe the finance is somewhat related to this acquisition, so there's some uh, um, uh, M&A components uh, into it where probably part of the deal was financed by an external investor. Um, 
something like that. I mean, difficult to tell. Awesome point. Awesome point. Right, moving on. Ewibe marketplace for premium wines raising 250k uh, from Bonsai Venture. So uh, this I thought it was very interesting because uh, Ewibe in general is is a company that is uh, working with the premium wines and trying to build a marketplace, a liquid marketplace. Uh, for um, uh, premium wines so that actually you can buy and sell and invest in in assets uh, like uh, rare wines and uh, yeah so that is it a signal of people trying to actually you know put money in some alternative asset given the market's turmoil both in public and early stage series a venture capital so you know there is a there's a lot there. Right? There is always uh, some, some uh, you know, elements there. I, I can see some signal, maybe. Well, that's for sure. I mean, uh, in, in the, with the current technology, the current market, you can basically securitize everything with blockchain or without blockchain. So that doesn't matter. Uh, and I believe um, a lot of people are going after uh, new ways to generate returns, higher returns. Even mm-hmm. though, even though I have to say, in a in a market where interest rates are back uh, to some mm-hmm. kind to, to to a highly high-ish levels, um, it can be more difficult for this type of uh, alternative assets to actually be attractive uh, and try to generate superior returns where there are more safer assets with uh, good returns, anyways. So I mean, I don't know um, what this. For sure, it is interesting to see the way you can diversify your portfolio today by investing in a Guy and Ray of 2014, <laughs> growing 76% in yeah. value year over year. Not too bad. Not, not too bad. bad. That, that's not, not too bad. bad. Awesome. Uh, all right, um, let's talk about uh, where Warrant Hub uh, acquiring a minority stake in ni- of 9.1. The- yeah, just, just one thing. Nothing that we say is investment advice. Don't. Think oh yeah, yeah, we forgot that. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, totally. Like you should <laughs> invest in wine. Whoever. No, no, that's a risk, risky asset. I mean, exactly. Disclaimer, uh, disclaimer: anything we say can be extremely risky. Exactly. Like so that. don't, don't make, do your own research. Do your own research. Awesome. Okay, moving on. Uh, Warrant Hub uh, acquired a minority stake of 9.1 in Upstart. So Upstart has been working in the past years as a crowdfunding platform uh, alongside many other, uh, well, two or three, I would say, many major uh, crowdfunding platform. And uh, on the other side, uh, Warrant Hub is essentially providing both um, financing product, but also uh, financial advisory. So it's a big group and they've been working on different products. And uh, this, uh, I felt it was a very natural move for them to actually uh, get into the crowdfunding space and the crowd lending space, I would say. So that's definitely um, a very strategic uh, minority acquisition. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Uh, Warren Tab in, in specifically is the arm of the Nexta that's uh, working on corporate services. Basically, they work with the in particular, the SMEs and all the, um, uh, let's say, business partners. Uh, so having uh, among the partners and associates that you can offer a cloud lending, a cloud funding platform, it can be valuable, particularly from small businesses, uh, to uh, add a new product and help them finance their operations. So makes sense. And uh, worth mentioning also, as, as you say, that Tinexta is a public company. 
Uh, and this is a good example of how exactly even like uh, public companies can actually interact uh, in a very strategic manner with uh, with early stage companies. Well, Upstart is not an early stage anymore, but uh, but definitely is, uh, is, uh, is is interesting interaction there. Mm-hmm. A, a curious part is probably the the amount of capital they acquired. So nine percent is a small mm-hmm. stake. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just basically it may be maybe. Uh, a way to, you know, uh, put uh, t- put the finger in the water, uh, feel the temperature, mm-hmm. and see how it goes. You know, to decide whether to uh, proceed to a complete acquisition. Who knows? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, this one feels a lot. Uh, I was studying a case uh, of how exactly Salesforce Venture was built. Uh, and, and how they started basically uh, interacting with early stage companies. And it's a very fascinating story, Nick. And uh, one of the elements is that the minority acquisition was actually targeted to get uh, at least information rights from the companies. And uh, this feels a lot like that. Like, you know, basically the idea is that Salesforce, Salesforce used to invest at the beginning uh, enough to get information rights. And that was their rule in, uh, in, in certain ways. And uh, some guys, I feel, are, are going the same direction, which is a very, very smart way to, to go through and to actually, you know, get, yeah, dip their toes into a different market, into a different uh, state of business, definitely. Wow. I was, I was thinking, whether it was, should I be scared if I were <laughs> an entrepreneur with Salesforce to make capital with information rights about my business? So, I mean... In Italy, it's easier. I Interesting mean, point. You, as long as you are a shareholder, you have, you have information rights. But if you're an American company, that, that that's not true. Uh, that's a specific right you have to negotiate. So, correct. Interesting. Yeah, good food for thought. Food mm-hmm. for thought. All right. Uh, so um, let's move to generative AI. So the AI wave in is unstoppable in Italy, even uh, at the uh, latest regulation and blocks and negotiation with uh, with Sam Altman. Uh, we have a great example of a company actually acquiring and moving forward and with no problem uh, in the generative AI space. So Contents.com acquired French startup Scribber. Uh, dot com. Uh, essentially, contents.com is working to provide uh, generative AI content uh, for SEO par- purposes. So this is interesting, first of all, on a first level, because it kind of um, um, is aligned with what we were saying, like a lot of companies will probably specialize in some form of applied language model, generative language model. And uh, this seems like what they're doing. So essentially, it's not just any content, is a uh, search engine optimized content. So the platform is very interesting because it's built on top of GPT-4 and they allow essentially marketers to, to give to, uh, through prompts, like a pre-formed pre, uh, templates to actually produce very interesting uh, content that can actually, are, that are optimized for, for search engines. And uh, it's a very specific application, is definitely a very profitable one, I would say. So people in digital marketing definitely, you know, become expert or, of AI. Otherwise, you will be substituted by a prompt. And uh, that's what but, we but were saying. Let's say by a person who knows how to use a prompt. There you go. There you go. Yeah, exactly. And um, and yeah, that's uh, that's super interesting. Also on uh, on another element, which I thought is uh, 
is also a matter probably of uh, user experience. So GPT-4 in its user experience is they took a specific route, which is, you know, the chat format and everything. Uh, the guys at content, they're actually providing templates and way to interact with the platform in a different way. Uh, that's maybe another generation of companies where the engine is GPT-4, but on top of that, uh, the chassis, the, the rest, the outside part is built depending on the usability and the case, the specific case for clients. So uh, I thought it was interesting to actually, to actually you know, see these evolving. What's, uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, you're right. I mean, that's uh, that's absolutely something that's going to happen. It it will happen. Uh, It's a bit controversial in terms of where's the moat. So where's the 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 tensible barrier that you're building in this this case? I mean, if you take position on the market, maybe you're able to create a superior service based on the data, the interaction with the customer that only you you have or something like that but otherwise it is quite dangerous because the next iteration of gpt might be a better copywriter mm-hmm. than anything you have done so far because I mean, it's just great point more powerful more precise or whatever so i mean great point. It's a fine line to to walk but uh they're doing well so kudos to content.com but they're growing the acquisition of scriber you pronounce it greatly please do it <laughs> Thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. Please say it again, really. Scribber. Wow. Um, thanks. The, the debt acquisition sounds like a, cost, a, a client-based acquisition. I mean, the, the target is, is totally. in the same market as content.com, yeah. so they decided to acquire them to speed up the, the goods market. And probably in this market, you can find targets. So. Uh, if you have access to finance, if your business model is running, if you want to expand to a new customer base in Europe in particular, there are a lot of local players. And I think there are opportunities to expand by acquiring the customer base of your local players without maybe struggling, maybe not growing as fast as you are. So there, there are opportunities out there. That's a great point uh, because from the website, uh, so the French company is essentially an earlier version of contents.com. So they can do a, a, like a piece of what actually content, contents.com can do. So yeah, that's definitely something worth uh, worth considering when expanding abroad. And uh, probably the, also the, the pricing of acquisition is very favorable right now. So uh, that can be a good, a good, a good strategy in a good uh, you know, time frame. So that's uh, that's definitely like powerful. For as long as yeah, VC, VC is a bit uh, frozen, uh, and we talk about it later, I believe. Oh, yeah. uh, many companies have no alternative than considering uh, selling themselves to a bigger acquirer right now. So I mean, there's an opportunity. Yeah. Another element that I found that was interesting is uh, how exactly the business models of these kind of companies will evolve. So essentially, we all know that GPT is essentially charging by token and by model. So you choose a model and then there are tokens. There is some calculation about tokens and so on. Uh, Contents.com essentially sells credits. So it's interesting to see how the two things align and how the marginality will, will work in these kind of businesses. So I don't know if at some point yeah, we will have like, uh, you know, like uh, KPIs, new KPIs were invented for SaaS, maybe for uh, or now on even from the investor perspective. 
uh, investing in AI and machine learning, new KPIs will come up, which is uh, some form of relating, you know, the, gross, the, the, gross the profit the, per chat. Something like that, exactly. So maybe, maybe it doesn't, it's not like too far because, uh, you know, uh, GPT-4 might change the business model. The token model might change credits. Is it the right way? How do you compute it? What is the, 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 the unit economics? Let's call it unit economics for lack of a better term. But uh, I, I thought it was interesting to see how exactly uh, they make money, essentially. Mm-mm-mm. You, sh- you should make the first move uh, as an influencer on this, like uh, <laughs> work with ChatGPT to set up, I don't know, a blog post about the new metrics in the AI world. And there you are. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Um, no, that's cool. That's absolutely cool. Uh, moving forward, I would say let's talk about some of the reading lists that you mentioned, which I thought were very powerful particularly so first of all um let's mention uh quickly like the raising capital in italy report by by andrea orlando definitely super valuable definitely like well done and well andrea orlando plus the white the startup wise guide team so it's a it's a, it's a big operation but it's definitely well well uh, made uh, and the, the good thing is that they really go into the details and they gather data straight from founders so they have this great practical approach, on the ground approach, very humble, but very solid. So shout out to, to Andrea for the, for the work. Uh, secondly, let's talk about AngelList. So uh, AngelList issues uh, the first quarter 2023 state of venture report, which I encourage people to, to read. And uh, I think there are a few elements there. So uh, there are some good news and bad news just to give some, some I'll, I'll give my take and then Nick, uh, feel free to, to jump in. Uh, so um, so the, the good news, well, partially bittersweet good news is that the average pre-money valuation uh, is kind of holding across different rounds. There is a decrease, of course, of the general pre-money valuation, but it's not as dramatic as it could have been. So there is some 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 holding elements there that are not pushing them too too much in uh, in the in on the downtrend, and that's to me is like a bittersweet kind of. But I mean, I like to be positive, so it's like uh, something is holding there. The other element that uh, unfortunately is a bad news is the of course the 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 level of investment activity, which has been at the lowest level, near to the lowest level. And uh, this is definitely like confirming sort of the the, the cooling off of the VC markets, uh, even in in uh, in later in later stage, um, but with a little parenthesis where basically the the report mentions that about eight percent of the Q1 uh, early stage investment went into AI. So maybe there is a silver lining there, uh, which is you know growing across the year. The conclusion, unfortunately, is sad because essentially the, the, the report ends up saying, OK, given, uh, you know, the, the SVB situation, which, by the way, were the one that would co-write the report with, with AngelList and they don't anymore, of course. But despite this, this element, uh, yeah, Angel, the people at AngelList were saying, look, um, 2003 is going to cool off, is going to stay really low key and we don't have any signal to actually expect a big rebound. And that's the, the big takeaway. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, despite the hype around AI. 
Despite uh, the hyper, that's, yeah. that's that's strong. Even though I, I read that eight percent of uh, startups raising capital by mentioning AI and machine learning as a uh, change in market, not because this is something that it's um, a competitive advantage, but it might become something that you need to have in order to compete on the capital markets and on right the, point. on the business market. I'm still early to say, but. Mm, we will we, we'll see we'll see so the, the early the early results of adopting adopting ai is somewhat you know things are still blind are changed are accelerated so um, it might be something that you need to have so i expect a lot of people ending up met, uh, putting like artificial intelligence or machine learning somewhere in the presentation or in the, the description because you have to because it's some kind of uh, uh, competitive advantage that you, that you build. One. Secondly, uh, I follow you, even though the charts on the pre-money valuation is somewhat on the logarithmic scale. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that means that in Q2 2022, pre-money was in Series A was above 100 million. I think Q1 23 is probably around 75 by reading the chart. Mm-hmm. There's like more than one quarter down. So that's that's not a small yeah. number, e- even though it was a bit crazy as a number back in 2022. That's for sure. So I read that's more as like we are getting back to normal right now. Then, uh, and I agree with them. There will be a bumpy 2023. We are seeing yeah. it on our on our own uh, uh, fundraising fundraising chart in Italy. Mm. No, uh, yeah, no. About what you're saying about the, you know, the the, the fact of uh, uh, AI becoming sort of the the gold standard that people will need to adopt in some way. That's massively powerful, and definitely there is a a real direction toward that uh, path. And uh, it feels like maybe one day, you know, uh, it's like Excel now. Everybody uses Excel, and uh, nobody's gonna write on a pitch. Oh, by the way, we use Excel in our company to to count, uh, you know, the. <laughs> The business projection maybe AI is gonna is gonna become for something like that is like the obvious tool which you know is uh, is implicit in in a company. Mm. We'll see. Um, the the last uh, report that you mentioned, which I thought was very 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 interesting, is the one issued by Andreessen Horowitz, uh, publishing the 2023 State of Crypto Report. State of Crypto Report. And uh, yeah, uh, so no matter what, uh, these guys are holding their hopes extremely high and they back it up with data. So that's uh, very powerful. And essentially one takeaway of the report is that, yeah, the activity, um, you know, basically is still moving and actually it is growing. So uh, blockchain adoption is, uh, is on the raise and that's, uh, that's very powerful also. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting that, as you said, they are holding that line on uh, on crypto, uh, while the rest of the world is basically going crazy uh, after AI. Um, but you're right. I mean, in the the fundamental seems to be moving. Uh, usage, uh, user involvement, uh, those numbers are running strong. Uh, in the real world, meanwhile, the the SEC is going. Uh, and down against uh, the, the crypto world. So, I mean, the, the basically, we, we are seeing two different worlds clashing one against the other. So the traditional financial world, I think so, uh, and, and crypto. And we see 
how it goes. Awesome. All right, Nick, thank you so much for joining and I'll see you and everyone next week.